Welcome to the invisible path. <laughs> A solo path today. And I am not coming out with a controversial episode yet. Again, not because I don't want to talk about it. I do. I will. I, I'm going to. I just, um, it's such a delicate conversation that I want to have my full brain capacity when I do it. And it just wasn't there again this week. So I'm going to talk about uh, a couple of things I've spoken about before, but from slightly different perspectives. Two of my, two of my most passionate experiences rolled into one. So they come together at an interesting point. The first one, the first one in chronological order of things I've spoken about on the podcast, putting your shopping cart away. <laughs> like four or five years ago, that was my favorite topic on this podcast. And um, I don't think I ever did a really good job of explaining exactly why. So the, the topic has come up again for me because I had, a, had an experience where I went into Sprouts and I did my grocery shopping. And the way I, the way I shop, there's, there's a couple of ways I shop. One, I either bring reusable bags like 10% of the time or way number two, I shop only for what I can carry in my arms, which is very limiting. You cannot carry very much grocery, very many groceries in your arms. That is a reality that I have learned and dealt with the consequences of many a times. So I am walking out of Sprouts with an arm, double arm load full of groceries, got what I could get, and uh, I'm getting into my car. And I set my stuff on top of the hood of my car because when you have both your arms full and you have an old car, you can't get into it. You need a key. So <laughs> I give my key out of my pocket. As I'm doing that, I'm seeing this guy just adjacent to me and he's looking around and I'm like, oh, this guy's about to do something shady. I bet he's going to leave his shopping cart. And sure enough, within the next 10 seconds, he takes his, his last thing out of his, his plastic bag, his last plastic bag out of his shopping cart, throws it in his car, and then pushes the cart in between four other cars. And I turned to him and I said, hey, man, that's pretty lazy, isn't it? And he said, yeah, it is lazy. But if you had the experience that I had in that store, you'd do that too. Well, sir, no. <laughs> Uh, I would not do that. There is many reasons why I wouldn't do that. Uh, all of them are related to the responsibility that one has when they've used the store's shopping cart to carry their goods from the store door to their car. You now have taken on a burden of something that is not complete until you return that shopping cart. The nice thing is that these grocery stores have been so considerate of how lazy we are that they've put these little cart corrals out in the middle of the parking lot. You only have to work like walk like 30 steps to return that thing. And the idea that someone wouldn't do that is so ridiculous to me that it like, my brain cannot compute. I cannot compute someone not returning a shopping cart, someone not returning something that a store provided free of charge in the goodness and kindness of their own heart so that they didn't have to carry all those six bags of groceries. But shocking to my brain, most people actually find it more offensive that I spoke to the person 
who did this than that the person left the shopping cart. Now, again, I don't, I don't really, um, it doesn't make me feel bad that people were uh, offended by the fact that I called this person out. I don't, I don't, I don't care at all. But it does, it does interest me that people find my questioning of this person offensive and the fact that someone left what is essentially a small bomb in the middle of someone's likely first or second most valuable possession. And a small bomb that will definitely damage it, right? Like you leave a shopping cart out in the middle of a parking lot, it's going to roll into someone's car and it's going to damage that car. That is going to happen. Where I start to lose the cognitive thread of why anyone would think this is a this is a thing that people should do is I don't really have any concern if that person's having a bad day, like they said. Like I, I, whether or not you're having a bad day does not change your responsibility to society. Whether or not someone in that store was unkind to you, in your opinion does not change your responsibility and the burden you have to pay back what society has offered you. Does not change your responsibility or the burden you have to be kind to the people in the community you live in. And there is nothing kind about leaving something in the middle of a parking lot that's going to damage someone's possession and then driving away so that it can't possibly impact you. There are... I, can, I cannot think of one nice thing to say about that type of person. So I won't try to say anything about that type of person. But I will say I'm fascinated by the fact that people offer excuses for that type of person. And I think that by offering excuses to that type of person, like, oh, they were probably really struggling or they were doing the best they could. Both of those answers are for me or I don't care. The second answer is they definitely were not doing the best they could. They have proven to me their ability to walk from the store to their car. So therefore, I know that they have the capacity to push that cart. And they have a burden now because they took the cart from the store. They have a responsibility to pay that back by doing the 30 extra steps required to put that thing away. There is nothing preventing them from doing that. And therefore, they are definitely not doing the best they can. Now, this goes back to my idea of uh, rewarding the extremist. And I'll get to exactly how that is. But first, I want to take a little trip down in an analogy lane into the world of yoga, something I pretty infrequently talk about on here. I don't even talk about yoga very much on the yogic path becoming legendary, the yogic path. So I'm going to actually talk about yoga here. So in a past life, when I taught a lot of yoga, I would teach classes that were combinations of professional athletes and deeply, deeply retired people, let's say. Geriatrics, can we say that? I don't, I don't know if that's offensive or not. What I mean is as elderly people, right? Like people who have lived a very full life and the physicality of their body is reflective of that. And the yoga classes I taught were ideally designed. They were perfectly designed. And I know they were perfectly designed because both groups of people came back. The professional athletes came back. The NFL running back came back. 
And so did this, the, the elderly woman, the elderly man, the elderly man. So I know that they were of benefit to both professional athletes and elderly people. And teaching a class that offers challenge and progression and capacity for growth to a highly trained NFL running back and and an elderly retired office worker in the same space where both people can grow is not necessarily easy for everyone. But that is the thing that I'm probably the best at in my teaching is I find a space that is accessible to every single body and still provides challenge for every single body. And that is, I think, because of the way I teach, which is not about like how flashy can we get. It is about how deeply can you understand the mechanics of your own body in the day that it is being utilized and how deeply can you express and how deep into the potential of that expression can you get. Now, if I chose to walk into a class that had, let's just, let's just make this simple, right? There's everybody in between, but let's just make this simple. I walk into a class that's half full of NFL running backs and half full of elderly retired office workers, 70 to 70 plus. And I taught a class that was only beneficial for the, for the elderly office worker Well, the likelihood is that the NFL running backs aren't going to come back to that class, right? Because they didn't receive any benefit. And if I walk in and I teach a class that's only beneficial to NFL running backs, the elderly office workers aren't going to come back because they have two different physical skill sets, but they all have individual experience. And so instead of teaching a class that tries to push people into the to a random shape, I push people into the capacity that they have in that moment, the exploration of what they can do that night, that morning, that class. And sometimes that pushes beyond someone's comfort zone. Oftentimes that pushes beyond someone's comfort zone, but pushing beyond someone's comfort zone and Asking them to do something they can't do are two very different things. So it might be beyond someone's comfort zone to put their shopping cart away because they had a bad time in Sprouts. But I'll guarantee you they can do it. And if we just give them the excuse, if we write them the hall pass of like, oh, you know, they're having a bad day. Well, there's no incentive for anyone to put their shopping cart away then, right? If you actually get attention and appreciation for not doing something, for not taking your responsibility. If you actually get attention for acting out in society, if you get attention for lashing out at random people around you because someone somewhere in your communication chain treated you poorly, then we are encouraging people to lash out. And therefore, I really truly take it as a societal commitment as a societal duty when you see someone taking advantage of others and yes taking a shopping cart from the grocery store and leaving it in the middle of a parking lot is taking advantage of others it is taking advantage of the fact that the store has to employ people to run around the entire parking lot and pick up these things that all of these a-holes left behind 
but it's taking advantage of a lot of other things too, but just look at it from that one individual perspective. And I think it's relatively easy to see that there is definitely a taking advantage of society if you allow that to happen. And I think asking a very simple question of like, isn't that the laziest possible thing you could do? Are you truly that lazy? Yeah, it can feel confrontational to some people. I'm not real big on confrontation, but I'm happy to call someone out for being an a-hole to other people. But I want to push a little deeper into the other side, right? Of like, not, oh, you have to call out, but how it actually rewards people if you don't call them out. Why it's more than just like, should you have a desire to call someone out? Why it's more of a duty and a responsibility to call people out for doing things like this. And it goes back to the same, to the same exact purple elephant in the middle of the room analogy that I've used a million times. But I want to, I want to circle back to this, uh, maybe in a different and more illuminating way as I've kind of refined my thoughts around this very, very important topic. And I am going to use actual, I'm going to use an, uh, a hypothetical situation or an imaginary situation, actually. And I'm going to use a real life situation that I've never used before, but I, it's such like a sticking point that I'm just going to bring it up. So let's, let's start with the hypothetical situation. 30 people walk into a room. In the center of this room is a solid oak table. There is nothing else in the room. 30 people make a circle around the perimeter of the room. They're standing shoulder to shoulder and they fit perfectly. Each and every person is asked to describe what is in the middle of the room. And they go around the room and 29 people say a table of some form. Right? Some say it's oak, some say it's wood, some say it's brown. They describe it differently, but they're all describing the table that is in the middle of the room. And then the 30th person says, it's a purple elephant. The person who is saying, there is a purple elephant in the middle of the room is one of two things, lying or wrong. And if we, agree, if we just say, cool, that's what that person sees, we are coddling that person for being either lying or wrong. One of two things, they're either lying or wrong. I'm sure someone right now is coming up with some excuse why the person is seeing a purple elephant. There are two reasons and you're welcome to send me the other reasons. I will tell you, I will, I will boil them down to one of two things. Like whatever reason you send me, they are either lying or wrong. And if we get to the essence of whatever thing you send me, it's going to be one of two things. They are lying or they are wrong. And if we validate that person for saying there's a purple elephant in the room in the exact same way as we validate all 29 other people who describe what actually is in the room, we reward the person who was lying or wrong. If we say their opinion is equal to each and every one of these other people who tried to provide a description of what actually is in the room, and we say that the 30th person who did not try, who is either lying or who is wrong, even if they tried, they're wrong. 
they either didn't try and lied or they tried and they're wrong, right? Those are, those are also the two options. If we validate that person's opinion as if it has equal weight of the 29 others, the 29 others opinion is devalued. And by devaluing all 29 others so that someone can either lie or be wrong, so that someone can either try and be wrong or not try and lie, we incentivize everyone else in the room to make up whatever feels best for them, to lose the connection they have to the shared reality. And the moment that America really truly jumped the shark on this, and you can tell me another time, but this is the moment I see America jump the shark on this, is Donald Trump's inauguration day. And some of you are like, <gasps> and some of you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a real specific reason why that is. It's not that Donald Trump was elected. Again, I've told you, if you voted for Donald Trump once, I'll forgive you. You maybe thought there was an outsider who was gonna make changes. You were wrong, but I can understand how you would be wrong based upon some of the things he said. I can understand if you voted for Donald Trump once, but the reason that that inauguration day is such an issue for me is Donald Trump came out after that and said it was the biggest inauguration crowd ever. And then Sean Spicer came out and seconded that. And that's when he coined the term alternative facts. So alternative facts are a lie and that's a problem. But the real problem wasn't that. It was that everyone, you, you me, the media, every single person in this country, whether you voted for Donald Trump or not, didn't stand up and say, no, sorry, we're not going to start your presidency with an obvious lie that can be documented by photographic and video evidence. Sorry, we're not going to do that. That's not the way we're going to do this. Politicians will spin the truth slightly. We're used to that. You cannot lie to us about something that is visually documented. But we didn't do that. We let this man lie and we let him lie again, and we let him lie again, and we let him lie again, and we devalued the truth. And that is the reality of what happened that day. And that might hurt your feelings because you voted for him. This has nothing to do with who you voted for. This is reality that you allowed a man to lie, that we allowed a man to lie, that the media allowed a man to lie. And I am not anti-media, right? The media gets it wrong. I recognize that. That doesn't mean that your joeblowblogspot.com article about anything has any validity at all. Sorry, but the major, the major news companies in our, in our world do get things wrong, but they at least have some level of accountability. And joeblowblogspot.com does not have any accountability. And that's just true. So to circle all of these ideas together, to circle all of this stuff back into one semi-cohesive thought, by allowing people to take advantage of a community, of a community offering. And it is as simple as, right? And this goes a lot of ways, right? So this is the same as someone who walks down the street and just 
chucks a pack of cigarettes on the ground, empty probably. But that same littering component is it, it's the exact same response. It is the exact same internal expression of I don't care about anything other than me. And you need to reward that because I feel hurt and I feel sad. Sorry, I'm going to hold you to a level of doing better. In the same way, I'm going to hold both of these yoga students to an equivalent requirement. Not that it's outside of their capacity. Asking someone to do something that they don't have the capacity to do is insanity. If you took a shopping cart from the grocery store, you definitely have the capacity to put it away. I'm not asking you to do something you can't do. I'm asking you to do something you might not want to do. I'm asking you to do something that you might be too angry to do, but you can do it. So you're going to have to drop the anger. You're going to have to drop the thing you don't want. And you're going to have to own the responsibility that you've brought into your world by taking that shopping cart from the grocery store door to your car. You didn't have to do that. You chose to. And now you do not have a choice to put it away because you owe that to the people around you. And some people are like, yeah, obviously, Patrick, obviously. But I'm telling you, I talked to people about this and most people I spoke to, maybe, maybe nobody's like, obviously, I don't know. But most people I spoke to, at least initially, um, were like, well, you got to hold the space for what they needed that day. And I'm sorry, I don't. They made the choice to walk the shopping cart from the grocery store door to their car. They now have a responsibility to put it back. And collectively, we have a responsibility to say, hey, if you don't do that, you're a POS. I'll put it away for you, but you should know you're a POS. And that's a bummer for you, not me. So you drive off giving me the double birds. You drive off giving me the double birds while I put your grocery cart away. <laughs> that's a thing you can do for sure. But I'm sorry. I don't feel bad for you. Not at all. Not one piece of me feels bad for you. And not one piece of me feels bad for the person who is in the room saying there's a purple elephant. It's not because I don't care. It's because I care deeply. I care deeply about the people who are doing the work to maintain an objective reality. The people who are doing the work to maintain the reality that exists outside of the individual subjectiveness of the personal experience, because that reality does indeed exist. And just because you don't have direct access to it because you can only experience the world from your perspective, doesn't mean a world outside of your perspective doesn't exist. And that is true for every single person on this planet. And if it's true for every single person on this planet, then we know there is an objective reality that also exists. And working to get your perspective as close to that perspective as is possible is your duty to humanity. Put your shopping carts away. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.